show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass has a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show podcast. Appreciate you guys joining me as always. I uh, get a lot of comments from everybody. The viewership's growing, so I certainly appreciate that. Uh, I got a little special treat for you the, this evening. A good buddy of mine, Dave Jenkins, is joining me for the podcast. So for your driving purposes, this, was, this podcast might be a little bit longer than my normal standard of 20 minutes or so. But uh, as always, we're free flow here, and I really have no idea what's going to happen or, or how long it's going to go. Uh, this is... Normally a, a little bit of a not safe for work podcast. My my language gets salty from time to time. Dave's a uh, Navy slash Marine guy, so it might get a little worse than normal. So just be aware if you got kids in the car on the way to work. We don't try not to embarrass anybody, but uh, we are live on record and we don't edit. And what you get is what you get. Uh, a couple of things we're going to talk about today. Uh, our main topic, we have the IPSC, or the U.S. IPSC Nationals, right around the corner, literally. Dave's uh, been instrumental in helping me put that on the ground, as always, and we've started the build uh, the last couple of days, and we're really getting getting jiggy with it tomorrow and in the next, uh, next week leading up to the match. So he's up here visiting <clears throat> to help me work on some of that, and uh, we thought we'd throw a podcast together since it was convenient. He's also the, I'll call him the match director, even though he's probably the assistant match director for the USPSA Handgun Nationals, which are not far around the corner, a few weeks away. Um, and some of the uh, the groundwork is going to be instrumental in setting that up, too. So we'll uh, hopefully do another podcast with him uh, after this one, more pertaining to the, to the USPSA Nationals. And I'm sure we'll have some uh, good topics to talk about there in the meantime, which is going to be coming up quick, but... If you have any questions pertaining to the USPSA Nationals uh, and stage design, administration, whatever, uh, get them to me as quickly as possible. Uh, a couple of things I want to hit on. We have a, a crazy schedule uh, at, U- at Universal Shooting Academy in the next uh, two months, three months. We have the IPSC Nationals right now, USPSA Nationals right behind that. Uh, then we have the uh, Monster Match. The very next week after the monster match is the IRC. So that's uh, you know, three national championships. The IRC is a world championship and the monster match in the span of the next three weeks. So obviously uh, I'm busy administrating that and, and putting things on the ground and uh, corresponding with everybody. Uh, so that keeps me busy. And as I've mentioned in, in previous casts, my my big goal for my career currently is to, to make the world shoot team in open division. The U.S. IPSC Nationals and the USPSA Nationals are qualifiers, actually the last two qualifiers, to make that team, which we'll hit on a little bit later. But um, as I said before, you know, pro shooter versus shooting pro, there is a difference. And I know everybody thinks that I spend every day on the range shooting for a living. But today I was working on my uh, drill or screw gun draw and uh, my hammering nails into the groundwork. And didn't get any practice in like I planned on. So it's always it's a challenge, you know. Regardless of what you're doing, you have to try to balance that time of you know m- making that practice happen versus doing your job like any other job in the world. And today I did not meet that goal. But uh, I, I don't even think uh, yeah, I didn't even drive far today. I didn't even touch a, touch a gun today, which is one of my other than my carry gun, of course. But 
uh, one of my cardinal rules, I always try to at least touch a gun during the day, especially when I'm at work, but didn't meet that goal today. But it's a challenge, you know, training versus work. Uh, we all we all deal with it regardless of, of what you do for a living. I'm uh, going to jump right into the shooting question. So I hit a question today, and then we're going to have the, the bulk of our conversation is going to be on the, the IPSC Nationals. Tony on Facebook asked, I had a, a question about working and training transitions. I have pretty good splits, but I feel like when I, I push hard for fast pickup shots, I lose transition speed. Is there any work on? Is there any way to work on this? Someone also told me I need to work on seeing faster. I don't know what that means. Have you heard of that? Uh, keep up the great work. You're awesome, as well as good looking and very smart. Oh wait, no, I added that last part. But uh, good question, Tony. And uh, yes to all. Yes, I have heard of seeing faster. Yes, there are things I train on to work on that. And uh, yes, transitions are important. Transitions more so than splits, I think. I'm not a uh, splits guy. Uh, splits don't mean shit is my mantra that I use in my classes. They're certainly impressive. Uh, if you can rip off 9s, 10s, 11s, that, that sounds cool. Um, but a lot of that, I mean, you see it in every division, but you really see it in, in the open division and standard division or limited divisions. And a lot of times they're, they're trusting the technology of the gun to keep that gun on target. And in a lot of instances, those guys are getting one side picture and pulling the trigger twice. Uh, I see that in three gun a lot too with the rifle technology now. And I wouldn't say it doesn't work because there is some impressive technology in the compensators and the, and the load tuning that keeps the guns down on target. But I don't think it's as fast as it sounds. I think they spend longer aiming and then, sp and then yak the trigger twice and when you extrapolate it out, it doesn't end up being uh, much faster or any faster than the way I shoot with much more confidence in my shots. Uh, the, the big thing I can and try to tell you is we want to ignite the gun as soon as those sights land in the acceptable scoring zone. That doesn't mean dead nut center of the A or dead nut center of the plate. Uh, this is not a bullseye match. We're, a, we're an action shooting match, speed trumps, accuracy although you still have to hit the target. But what I work on is trying to get my eyes ahead of the gun, which is the main main key in transitions, and then trust my training, trust my transitions, trust my, my grip, stance, draw, my foundation, that I'm good enough. Wherever I look, that's where the gun's going to go. And when I'm looking at that spot on the target, when I drive the gun over there, I know that gun's going to land exactly where I look, precisely. So that frees me up in, in, in the confidence realm to start actuating the trigger ahead of time. And you work on the timing of your trigger and the timing of the gun so that as soon as that gun lands where I'm looking, it's firing. There's no verification. There's no checking. There's no, okay, that looks good. Now let's shoot type of stuff going on in my head. Uh, I know when that gun lands where I'm going to look that I'm ready to fire. So I start that firing process earlier, and if I'm running my 1911 with uh, one, <clears throat> excuse me, with a 1.8 pound trigger, uh, it doesn't take much prep work to get it to ignite right at that point. If I'm running my Glock, well, that takes a little bit more, so I start pulling the trigger a little bit more aggressively. Uh, I don't shoot revolvers much anymore, but I, I did a lot in the past, and the same thing there. I'm starting to to work that that trigger because it's such a shitty trigger. That I want to it to be the hammer to be falling, right when the gun's land, right when the gun lands on target. 
Uh, to give an example of that, uh, Jerry Micklick doesn't shoot steel challenge much anymore, but he used to shoot a lot back in the day, and he would finish top three, four, five, six, eight uh, in the world at the at the World Speed Shooting Championships, uh, aka Steel Challenge, with shooting a revolver. You know, running against the best shooters in the world with their 1911s, and the reason for that is the revolver. The the, re, the reason the revolver hurts you so much in the action pistol type sport is it's almost always two rounds on target. So you got to sit there with that gun on target while you run the cycle of that of that cylinder for the whole next shot. That's what kills your time. And and obviously Jerry's got unhuman splits, so it doesn't hurt him as much as it hurts your average dude. But in something like Steel Challenge, where it's only one shot per target, he's he's guarantee you he's working that trigger from one target to the next. So in flight, as I call it, his eyes are already ahead. They've picked out that next spot on the next target. He's driving that gun as hard as he can drive it while he's pulling the trigger. Yeah, pulling the trigger. And he's timed it out and knows his gun well enough that as soon as that gun lands on target, the hammer is literally in the act of falling. So you, you've taken that... Um, I don't know what the cycle time is on the revolver, but, you know, 0 0.18, 0 0.2, whatever it is, you've taken that down to your your badass 0 0.9, 0 0.1, or uh, um, 0.09, 0.1 splits of a, of a 1911. So you basically have an equal gun. So that the, the biggest key there is eyes ahead of the gun, and you need that you need to have the confidence, which you build in dry fire, you build in live fire practice, that when that gun lands on target, it's going to be where you're looking, and there's not a lot of verification going on. Uh, in terms of eye speed, uh, I'll give you two weird drills that I, I, I used to do a lot back in the day, not so much now. Uh, legal department says not to do the first one. Uh, the second one's totally safe. So I used to, and still do it every now and again, but I used to, while I was driving, I would pick a piece of smashed gut butt, uh, bug guts or something on my windshield and I would I would try to focus on on those on that bug so it was in crystal clear focus so I could I could see his liver hanging out of this side. Then I would shift my focus to the next visible thing down the road road sign stop sign stop light, whatever it could be. So that was in crystal clear focus so I could read that I could read that interstate sign from a hundred yards away, and then back to the bug, and then back to the sign back to the bug back to the sign. So you're training that eye focus back and forth. Um, I don't think, rereading re your quote right here, I don't think you mentioned what division you're shooting. So most of the iron side divisions, for most of your shots, you need to have a pretty good focus on the sight. And that's the, the, the most difficult thing about shooting iron sights and why uh, shooting a dot or open division is so much faster is you don't have that, that change in focus. And that's one way you can train that, you train your eye speed, as you said. So you're working on focusing a distance, focusing close, focusing a, focusing a distance, focusing close. Uh, the other weird thing I should do is uh, lay on your back on your bed and look up at the ceiling fan. Put it on slow or medium because you probably can't do it on fast. But you can, you can what I call freeze a fan blade. So you can follow the fan around with your eyes and it will look like the fan blade's not, not moving at all. The fan blade is perfectly still if your eye speed matches the rotation of the fan. And you see that if you see a still photography of a helicopter um, or even sometimes video photography, if the if the frames per second of the video are matching the the RPMs of the of the rotor, it looks like the helicopter's flying and the the rotors aren't moving. And you can you can look that up on YouTube and, and see some examples of that. But it, it's the same thing. 
Um, I don't know if Dave's got anything to add, but he's sitting here with me, and I've been ignoring him for 12 minutes and seven seconds. So, you got anything to add there, David? Uh, well, first, you know, thank you for inviting me to your podcast. Uh, I love what you've done with the studio. <laughs> I, I almost feel like I'm at home. Um, anyway, we got the Jamisons going, the cigars are going. It's uh, it's, it's a wonderful night. Um, the only thing I would add, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm one of your your pupils, and uh, and, and, and have run into this exact same problem and that I can, you know, probably shoot splits as fast as anyone. And I'm very proud of that. I am kind of a splits guy. I mean, it sounds good. It's pretty awesome. But transition is the key. You know, it's uh, what I uh, like to refer to as rounding the corners. If you can transition to the next target and move to the next target, obviously, as you say, shoot early, shoot late. Um, that uh, those kinds of things are what really saves you time when you're on, on, a, on a stage, you know, the splits of, you know, whether you're doing a point, you know, one, one or point one, two or a point two is kind of irrelevant if you're wasting time on those other, you know, in those positions and those transitions. Um, for me, what's helped me a lot is the, the cadence drill, which is that I, um, you know, we set up, which, you know, you taught me to set up, you know, a target, set up three targets, two to three feet apart um, and try to shoot them try to make my transitions the same as my splits. So you kind of start off slow um, because you want, you know, you're not sure what your transitions are going to be. And then you speed up as you go. So you're talking about three, three paper targets. You know, again, I, I start with two feet apart and then try to make them with the three. And I haven't really gotten much past that because of my, my ability, but um, the timer doesn't lie. You know, I can look at the timer and I can say, well, my splits was, you know, 0.18. My transition was 0.3. Well, that's, that's not equal. You know, that's, I, I'm wasting time going from target to target. Um, and uh, it's really more of a drill than it is necessarily something you use in competition. But it's really, it, to me, it was good feedback to know that I need to be <clears throat> eyes forward, moving to that point in the target faster, you know. And if I can get them where my splits are all very, very close, I'd say within a few um, hundredths of a second, I'm really happy with that drill and really happy with how I did on it. Cool. Yeah, good, good point. I forgot about the... Uh forgot about the cadence drill and and you hit the nail on the head if you know if you have three targets in a row like that it, it's a drill for drill sake you know, that's not how i would shoot three targets like that in a match you're never going to be able to, to transition as fast as you can split the focus of the drill is like i like i mentioned earlier you're teaching yourself and building confidence in yourself to ignite that gun when it lands on target so if you set them up at hey i want to do this at and uh, like Dave said, start out slow. You know, try to do it at, at 0. 0.5, something something stupid slow. And you'll find it's actually challenging to slow yourself down that much. And then try 0. 0.3, 0. 0.25, 0. 0.1. You know, you can, you can play around with it. But uh, the point of it is to, you know, pick that spot on the target, drive the gun to that spot, and then ignite the gun right when it lands there. So thanks a lot for the question, Tony. Um, I appreciate it. And guys, hit me up, you know, Facebook email website all the places we've hit before i've got uh, i don't know a dozen or so questions left that haven't gotten around to and I'll, I'll get to them as quickly as i can and i usually try to time in with the topic of the day uh none of them fit the topic of the day today so we were happy to pick up tony's question and hope that helps you in your training what we're going to get into now is the uh, u.s ipsc nationals coming up here in uh, a week or so and I don't know how familiar you guys are out there are the IPS are familiar are with IPSC versus USPSA. We'll hit on that a little bit later, but the uh, the match has been around for 
a number of years. We've had it here at uh, USA for, I remember, five, yeah, four, four or five years, uh, yeah, four, four years now maybe. South Carolina had it for a while. Uh, it's moved around a little bit, but we've had it for a number of years. And, you know, frankly, it's not the most popular match on our calendar. And a, a lot of the reasons why is the differences we're going to talk about. A lot of the equipment doesn't fit uh, the U.S. competitors. Uh, a lot of the uh, the rule set stage design doesn't um, bode well with, with U.S. style shooting. And there's a lot of reasons for it. Uh, I, and, and a lot of those reasons I'm probably in the minority and that I like them. There's plenty about it I don't like, but uh, there's a lot of it I do. I'm going to let uh, Dave lead off here. And I didn't in introduce him well enough, but he's a, you know, prior student and really really close friend of mine and we travel around shoot a lot together so we have a lot of the the same thoughts on shooting but uh, he he is more into the the stage design and organizational type stuff than i am and he you know, probably has a different perspective on, on a lot of topics that we'll hit on so dave's going to jabber at you on, a, on a, a couple of the beginning differences of the between uspsa and ipsc and then i'll chime back in a little bit later take it away dave all righty well, um, the the joke I've repeated numerous times to a lot of people who know me is that uh, you know we have we have two major shooting um, obviously there's more than two but we have two major shooting uh, competition sports uh, in the United States and that's USPSA and IDPA and uh, my joke about uh, I, IPSC or IPSC is that if USPSA and IDPA had a bastard love child it'd be called IPSC because USPSA is really kind of found on a principle of of freestyle you know we set up our stages and we put up barricades and we put up fault lines and we let the shooter figure out the the, the problem basically freestyle let them shoot it however they want to shoot it um, idpa is a little more rigid and where they they kind of tell the shooter what they want them to do and where they want them to do it um, ipsic is kind of a combination of both you know in uspsa for example um, there's not a lot of, if you, if you want to show up to the match early and walk the stages and get a game plan and take notes and take pictures, take video, whatever, no one really cares. Now, you know, whether that is in the rules or not is probably still up for debate, but it's allowed. It happens. Everybody does it. Um, in IPSC, that's, that is categorically illegal. All right. You're not allowed to pre-walk the stages. Can't even think about them. <laughs> well, you might be able to think about them. We do. We are going to post them. Actually, I think they just got posted on Facebook. Um, so you can look at them and, uh, you know, things on paper are rarely what they are on, on you know, on the, uh, on the range, but you're not, you're not allowed to pre-walk them. You're only really allowed on the stage for the amount of time that they allow you to prior with your squad. And that's again, very, very IDPA-esque, very not USPSA-like. Um, the other things are, are minor, but, but at the same point in time, it changes, uh, yeah, how you as a competition shooter approaches a stage. Um, you're not allowed to step outside of or cut corners of fault lines. So IPSC, as I put it, is they kind of treat their fault lines almost like walls, which means that you're not allowed to cross over them. So if you see a shortcut by going around a barricade or cutting a corner, that's, again, illegal and will cause you a per-shot fire procedural, which is, uh, which is pretty much devastating for your match. Um, the, uh, another big thing is sight pictures. You know, we're, in USPSA, we're kind of used to being allowed to take a sight picture uh, dry fire the gun, transition from target to target. We're, you know, with, with IPSC, again, categorically illegal. You're not allowed to take a sight picture. You're not allowed to rack and, and, and pull the trigger on an empty chamber. Um, 
the uh, and probably the biggest difference, which most shooters notice right away, is the targets. So the Ipsic target is what a lot of people call the turtles or the stop signs. They are a, um, a geometric shape um, that's octagon, and it's very different than our silhouettes. It's much smaller. Um, there's no B zone. There's no head head zone on it, and uh, it, you know it, it presents a different challenge. Um, Obviously, people are split on whether they like the targets or dislike the targets. To me, a target is a target. You give me a target, tell me where the A zone is, that's what I'm going to be aiming for. But it does, it does prevent a, di a different set of challenges in, you know, when, you're, when, you're, when you're facing them as a shooter. And the poppers as well. The popper, uh, USPSA popper has a, an upper scoring zone, whereas the, uh, the IPSC poppers do not. They're just rounded on the top. I think that pretty much covers the major differences. Anything you want to add, Shannon? Uh, did you hit the drive? <clears throat> did you hit the drive fire thing, or did I miss it? I did. All right. Uh, no, I'd agree. And <clears throat> I've that covered a lot of uh, different topics. Some of which I don't have a problem with. Some of which I think are are ridiculous. And it, it just depends on your philosophy, I guess, behind behind the behind the reason for the rule. The the big things that hit the U.S. guys and uh, the fault line thing. You can't step across a fault line. And we try, we strive. The first time we had the IPSC Nationals uh, at USA, that bit a couple of shooters bad. And Yeah, we had, we had four arbitrations on that. And it was, I consider my fault as a, as, a, as a match director and stage designer at the time. I can't even swear that I knew that was a rule. In fact, I don't think I knew that at the time. Uh, had I known that, I would have set the stages differently. You know, my philosophy is the shooters are my customer. I try to set up a courses of fire to help them, not screw them. You know, we want to build challenges, shooting challenges, uh, not gotcha traps. I'm not trying to set something up to, to screw somebody. And uh, I'm not saying this stage was set up that way, but, you know, there was a there was a opportunity to step over a corner by, by a foot, and you end up with 13 or 20 or 1,000 penalties or whatever it was afterwards. Which, needless to say, you know, tanks your match, and um, I don't think that's a, a reasonable penalty. I don't think it's a reasonable rule. I, the uh, and I'm gonna hit on the history a little bit later, but yes, our sport came from practical roots. But in, in the IPSC standpoint, as far as I understand it, from talking to some of the the top top folks there, is that that's what the fallens do represent. They do represent walls, and if you're Supposed to get a supposed to go down a hallway. Well, we're not building a hallway. We're we're doing that via fault lines. But to me, that makes no goddamn sense because I'm shooting a I'm shooting through these invisible walls at, at targets because the whole shooting area is within these fault lines that are supposed to be walls, and we're clearly shooting across them to hit targets. So that, that doesn't hold a lot of water with me. Um, the walkthrough time, the, the dry fire stuff, I could really care less. I mean, it does. I will agree, plays with my game in that we get so used to doing our walkthroughs, having the stages dialed in so well. Um, we have our walkthrough routines or our, our, our load-and-make-ready routines that we go through. Uh, so it does it, that does mess with you in the fact that you can't do that. But, you know, it is an international sport, and we're the only ones that don't do it. Uh, even though we're better than everybody, we still have to understand when, when you're in their game, you play by their rules, and if you shoot internationally, that's the way it is. So you better be comfortable with it. Um, we know one of the reasons we put on this match is to try to familiarize folks with the different rule set, the different procedures, and, and how things work. Uh, the other big difference, and I, I think probably the biggest reason that uh, this match is not huge here in the U.S., 
uh, that I think hurts folks is the divisional differences. Um, some of them are subtle, some of them are huge, and it depends on, obviously, what division uh, you're concerned with. Uh, the first one, and I think the most obvious, is standard division, uh, which is our limited division. And US, in a IPSC, in IPSC, a standard division gun, your limited gun, has to fit inside of a box with a magazine inserted. And that box will not, it will not fit if you have our 170 millimeter magazine, or sorry, 140 millimeter magazines that everybody uses. So you have to run a 126. And in some cases, that's not even good enough. Um, you need to watch your magwell. You need to watch your rear sight height. Um, so you really have to have the gun tuned to fit the standard box. Uh, so if you're a USPSA limited shooter, you want to come out here to the IPSC Nationals, uh, you know, unless you can borrow something, you're talking about buying five magazines at whatever they are these days, 100 bucks a piece or something that you're never going to use again. So that's, uh, in my opinion, the, the biggest glaring difference in the divisions, especially since limited is such a popular division. Uh, the other biggest one is production. Uh, production division, and that's a joke of a word these days, but production division in IPSC is a five-pound trigger pull. So if you're shooting a uh, striker-fired gun, Glock, M&P, XD, uh, five-pound trigger pull, and that's on the first pull. But if you run a striker gun, obviously that means every pull. If you're running a Tanfolio CZ or a you know steel double-action gun, you can uh, you can tune it to a five-pound first pull, and then your slick little two-pound or or two 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 five-pound subsequent pulls. Uh, that's the again the biggest thing in production that hurts USPSA shooters wanting to come play. It's, it, 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 it sucks to have to detune your gun, to suck your gun up so you can go play this game for, for one match. Uh, other production rules is IPSC is 15 rounds. I actually like that one. That's a pretty cool idea. I wish we'd do it. And uh, then they allow race holsters in production, which we can talk about how much sense that makes. Uh, open, pretty much the same in open. There's a small magazine difference. Um, they don't. They don't allow the the deviation of the what is it one millimeter or yeah, it's like one point yeah, five millimeter mm -hmm. difference between one seventy and one seventy one or whatever the difference is. I'm I'm not going to get too deep into these because I don't have the rule book in front of me and I'm not a range master. But uh, basics. Um, classic, pretty much not a lot of difference there. Ipsic's a little bit more lenient in their classic weight division uh, in the weights and um, magnet use and. Uh, weighted base pads and some things like that. It's got to be a, a government profile slide. Classic is single stack. Yeah, classic is single stack. And I think it's got to be a bushing too, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's got to be a bushing. Um, but not a lot of difference there. Um, and then the, other, the only other small thing is power factor, which again doesn't make a lot of sense, but uh, open is 160 and uh, limited or standard and uh, classic are 170. So a little bit different than our blanket of 165 for your for your major division rounds. So not not a ton of difference uh, in there, but the, again, the biggest ones standard in, in production throw, throw a big wrench in the USPSA shooters wanting to cross over. Uh, stage design, this is a pretty big difference. It doesn't matter in, in coming out to play the game. It just matters in kind of what your flavor is. Dave is my uh, pseudo stage design master. Either he likes to do it or he's just being nice to me doing it for most of my matches. But uh, I appreciate his help in, in, in laying them out for me and giving me some great ideas. Uh, I, I use his stage designs as a solid 
solid guide to, to set up the stage, which pisses him off to no end because he treats them more like a blueprint. But uh, that's neither here nor there. So I'll, I'll let him touch a little bit on the on the stage design differences. Thank you. Um, well, the main difference between IPSC stage design and USPSA, and they're very, very similar. I mean, there's, you can, you can, I mean, I hate to sound like it takes an expert to find the difference, but they are very, very similar. The biggest issues, which you've already touched on, is and some we've learned, which is that in IPSC stage designs, <clears throat> I try not to give uh, a the shooters the you know the desire, if you will, to cut a corner or you know you know to um, to round round a corner. A big thing too is they don't allow multiple shooting areas. Um, I tried that; they they nixed that right away. And I say they. <clears throat> the um, just like in USPSA, for me to do a level two or level three match, I have to put that up to the NRRI, and <clears throat> it has to be approved. Excuse me. The uh, IPSC the same way. We have to design these stages for the IPSC nationals, and we have to send them off overseas in order for them to approve them. And anything that they don't find to be uh, within the spirit of IPSC, they throw back, and we have to change. the uh, The biggest things, like I said, is having multiple state, multiple shooting areas, <clears throat> excuse me, starting outside of the shooting area. They're really against that. Um, uh, starting, you know, anytime you've, you know, any, anytime that there's a, uh, uh, anything that's uh, remotely um, a possibility where the shooter may step out and, or, or find some sort of, gain some sort of advantage for that. We've got, I, I as a stage designer, try, try, to, try to avoid. But one of the things to be positive about IFSIC that I really like about IFSIC is they have a what they call a three-two-one um, standard, which is that for every you know for each match, let's say you have nine stages in a match, three of them are short courses, which are courses under twelve rounds, two of them are medium courses, which are under courses under twenty, and only one is a long course, thirty-two rounds or more, or thirty-two rounds, excuse me, as a maximum. The um, most USPSA shooters, and we do it because we love to shoot. We love you know give me a you know eight-stage match or a twelve-stage match, and they're all thirty-round plus. Because they're all field courses, they're all great and great fun to shoot, uh, and they're all high. You know, um, uh, you get you know, a lot of a lot of points, uh, a lot of hit factor. Whereas in uh, IPSC, it's it's different. You know, you're definitely focusing more on uh, a different set of skills. And I again, I really like that about IPSC. Uh, I brought that over to a lot of my USPSA planning. Is that I try to throw in a mix. Again, not try to three, two, one mix, but a mix that where you've got some short courses of fire and some medium courses of fire. To test different skill sets, um, I again uh, I like the uh, the three two one. I think that there's you know if, if, if there's one type of stage I I, inv I enjoy designing the most, and that's the uh, the short courses, you know courses of fire that still give shooters options on how they want to shoot them, but challenge a, a separate set of shooting um, uh, skills than just how fast can you run from point to point and shoot targets you know at, at any given location. Um, that's, I think that pretty much covers it. Anything, anything else I need to add? No, I, I, I agree. <clears throat> and I'm, again, I, as I said earlier, I, I'm in the minority on, on the stage design. Uh, I know the U.S. US folks in general uh, like the bigger stages, bigger round counts, uh, and particularly don't like the shorter. They don't, they don't like a six-round stage. They don't like a eight-round stage, ten-round stage. And, and uh, you know, I do. I, I think that tests – your uh, interception. The other, the other uh, right. lifestyle course I did. We're live, right? Yeah, the lifestyle uh, <laughs> aspect that I didn't add. It was exciting as football started tonight. So, 
I don't know when I'll get this up, probably tomorrow, but this is Thursday and NFL just started tonight, so we're watching the game as we – on mute because we're considerate, but uh, as we're doing the cast. But, um, you know, I, I appreciate the, the shorter course because it just tests standing up and shoot. You know, just step up there and, and throw down. And I'm, I'm not uh, 20 years old anymore, but I'm relatively fit. I'm relatively quick. So I, I, I like to run and gun as much as the next guy. But it should be, I think it should be more of a mix than USPSA has, has drifted to. Um, and, you know, the, the ability to stand up there and execute some, some skills on demand, much like, <clears throat> much like our classifiers are for USPSA. <clears throat> you know, mandatory reloads and uh, partial targets and, you know, one round per target, three rounds per target. Uh, odd positions, you know, prone type stuff. So all those little, little quick skills that are tested in, in your general IPSC match, I, I personally like. So I do like do like that aspect uh, of IPSC versus USPSA. And and you can ask around if you haven't been to the the IPSC nationals that uh, it is definitely an accuracy intensive match. Uh, we we will we will test your ability to shoot. Not a lot of hoser stuff, a lot of partial targets, a lot of distance, a lot of steel. And, you know, whoever comes out of there, the, the, the victor is going to be the best shooter, not the best anything else. So, yeah. Chan, these, these matches are, like you said before, they're very challenging. They're very accuracy intensive. Why do we shoot them? I mean, why, why do we do the U.S. Hipsic Nationals? I don't know. We didn't talk about that ahead of time. <laughs> Um, the reason the, the U.S. the uh, Ipswich Nationals was started, and years ago, there to to develop the teams for the U.S. teams for the World Shoot. When I started shooting, there was a uh, a very convoluted process that you had to shoot uh, area matches, area championships. The USPSA has eight areas, and each one has a championship. And uh, we run this podcast free flow so i don't fact check and i don't pull rule books so don't uh don't come at me hard on facebook saying i was wrong on something so i i talked to the i talked to my podcast i talked to my micro this is the first in fact as you know if you've listened first podcast i've done with anybody else in the vicinity so it's usually me talking to the microphone and i and i, and I talked to the microphone just like i was talking to to some new shooter that came up and asked me a question uh given the best information that i have without uh doing a lot of research but <laughs> ain't, ain't nobody got time for that but it used to be a uh, if you shot you had to shoot the on the on the odd years leading up to the world shoot you had to shoot the odd numbered area matches so one three five seven on the even numbered years leading up to the world shoot you had to shoot the even number area matches and there was i don't remember the how many they kept and how many they threw away ratio but that was how you developed your scores uh for the matches to, to make to uh, make a shot of the team for the world shoot. So pretty much if you couldn't afford the time and money to shoot four area matches every year at all corners of the country, you know, you didn't have a, you didn't have a chance at making the team. How often is the world shoot shot? Yeah, the world yeah, the world shoots every three years. So you had you know two years of doing that, uh, or three years of doing that. They probably didn't count the year preceding, but two years of, two years minimum of doing that leading up to the world shoot. Well, then they, they changed it. Um, and I, I think there was a time before that where the team captain, who was the, at, at the time and still is, as far as I know, the, um, the director of NROI, I know the team captain now, 
I think it still was back then. But uh, at the time, there was a time when they just picked the teams. So who you know, good old boy network type of deal. And they changed it in, uh, again, I'm, I'm guessing here, but they changed it in, in five or six, oh five or oh six, And they started the uh, qualifier series, which turned into the IPSC Nationals. And they ran matches under IPSC rules. And they had uh, three or four qualifier series matches. So that is much more reasonable of an attainable goal for your average shooter to hit uh, you know, three or four matches over the course of two years leading up to the world shoot than 12 or 8 or whatever it was. And that was what led me to make my first world shoot team. We know Once they changed the rules, I made it a goal to make the world shoot uh, for the standard team in 08. And it was still a huge, huge time and money uh, investment in order to make that. But I was successful at it and was, and was super proud of it at the time. And they actually talked about changing it after that. And I don't know if it had anything to do with it, but I was certainly a, a loud, squeaky wheel in talking to the, the guys up top because that, that's what it ought to be. You know, it ought to be competitive-based. It ought to be competition-based. The guy that's willing to put the time in and make the effort to get to the, to get to the qualification matches, to put the training in and perform, the guy should, ought to, ought to should, be, should, should be rewarded. And, you know, there may be a better choice out there. There may be a bigger fan base choice. But, you know, that guy didn't necessarily put in the time. Maybe he didn't want it enough. Maybe he didn't care enough. Who knows? But uh, my opinion come from the, the, the middle totem pole guy is, you know, if you want it and you put your time in, you earn your points and, and, and you, you qualify, then, you know, you should be rewarded. So that's, that's the main reason the, the Ipsic Nationals came about and, you know, those those matches eventually turned into the Ipsic Nationals, and then they changed that, uh, the qualifier series. Now, for the last couple of years, it's been uh, the IPSC Nationals and the USPSA Nationals, uh, the, the four, two years each of, of each of those two matches, so four matches total in the two years leading up to the world shoot and best three or four. So it's open to anybody, man. You can... You can make four matches, and they only score the best three or four. So, really, you only got to make three matches. You shoot three matches, and you got as good a chance as, as qualifying to be on the world shoot, uh, U.S. world shoot team as anybody. And, you know, that's the way it ought to be. It ought to be, it ought to be competition-based. Yeah, it's going to hit a little bit um, a little bit on the history. And, again, I'm not a, not a historian, but, you know, IPSC was started here in the U.S. Uh, 70 uh, eight. Let's call it Let's say the seventies. Yeah, seventies. <laughs> Back um, in the seventies. In Missouri, Back and um, started by the the U.S. as we as we do most great things, and you know at some point it it morphed into a more of an international organization that it initially was, and I don't know the history of how we lost control of the um, administration of the organization. Yeah, but. Uh, I don't know if it was election process or, or what happened. I'd, I'd have to research that. But, you know, at some point we lost, we lost all control of the board of the, of the international organization. And there for a lot of years they started drifting further and further away of, of what we, and when I say we, I mean U.S. in general, thought the match ought to be or the sport ought to be. And, again, when I started shooting, there was, a, there was one rule book 
for um, IPSC. That was it. And we had addendums in the um, in the rule book under each rule. So any rule that was different underneath rule, throwing out a number, 4.3.2, they would have underneath that in parentheses, they would have U.S. 4.3.2. We're better because comma, and then <laughs> they would they would say the difference in the rule. And it just kind of drifted further and further. And there was some there was some personal political rifts between the, the leaders of the organization. I'm not going to deny that, and I'm not going to get into them because I don't know them. But, you know, nobody wanted to give an inch. And, um, you know, and, and I, I agree with that to, to a lot of extent because the old give an inch, take a mile type of thing. Dave hit on the targets earlier, and, you know, again, the, this sport was started from martial roots, like like any sport was pretty much. You look at all the Olympic sports, whether it's um, running or, or wrestling or fencing or karate or, you know, all those sports started from the martial level and they developed into a sport. We're no different. We started from the self-defense, leather slap days of who could draw and shoot the bad guy the fastest and it turned more and more and more sport over the years. And I consider us 100% pure sport now. But... I don't disregard or, or underappreciate our martial roots. The IPSC wanted to go away from, to give you the, the most glaring example that the U.S. bitch is about, they wanted to go away from the headed target. Well, I can understand their position. If, you know, these other countries, and I don't, I don't know country by country, out there, Germany out there, maybe that's one, but these other countries, if you're, if you're shooting a headed target, you are therefore practicing self-defense or self-offense and it's just flat out not going to be allowed they they would not be able to they would not be able to have that sport in their country and ipsc is an international sport hence the i so they added the what they now call the classic target i don't forget what it's called when it was first introduced but um the amoeba target as we know it so they added that target as an option for these countries that that can't shoot a headed target I'm totally 1,000% cool with that. I don't, I don't give a shit if we shoot a square pizza box like Three Gun Nation. I'm, I'm here for the game. I'm here to win. I'm here to shoot better. But back to the given inch, take a mile, you know, that, that ticked off a lot of U.S. shooters. And then eventually IPSC went totally away from the headed target. You can't have it at all. So a lot of things going in that direction uh, put enough of a wedge, enough of a riff between – U.S. And, and the IPSC that we eventually split off officially from them, and that's when USPSA really came into existence. So now it's, you know, they're really separate sports, although we do fall under as a region of IPSC. You, you know, we are IPSC members, even though we run under USPSA rules. Now it's totally separate rule book and um, altogether different. And, again, I don't I don't agree with all of our rules. I don't agree with all of our divisions, and, I don't agree with all theirs either. So if I was God, I would have a totally different standard and setup, but nobody asked me, so, you know, we got what we got. Uh, the biggest difference the biggest difference is the things that we talked about earlier in the, the stage design, the walkthrough procedures you need to be familiar with, and the division standards. You know, so if you familiarize yourself with not making a, a dumb mistake, you know, crossing over a fault line, for example, that'll wreck your match. Um if you come with your limited gun and your 140 mags, you're going to be an open. Uh, if you come from with production and your your uh, 
three pound, two pound Glock trigger, you're going to be an open. So, you know, those are the big things that you need to know about. The other stuff is, is sacrificial. You know, it's, they're still targets there. It still comes down to speed and accuracy and who can shoot fastest and, and most accurate is, is going to win. So it's going to be a good match. Um, this ain't going to make it far before the match starts, but we've got, uh, literally a handful of slides left. If you want to try to slide in, give me a holler. We can get you in there. Uh, as always, I'm available for training. Have gun will travel. So I might, as I mentioned, schedule's crazy the next couple of months. But if you want to get on for this winter, uh, if you live in a warm state or um, early in the spring, start getting hold of me now because my schedule fills up fast. Certainly appreciate you guys listening and uh, appreciate Dave being here. Hope to have him back soon. We're going to have a topic on the USPSA Nationals, as I mentioned. He's super instrumental in, in putting it on the ground, and we're looking forward to that. Anything you want to add, Dave, as we get out of here? Not at all. I appreciate you having me here. Thank you very much. All right, kids. Get out there and practice. See you on the range.